Welcome to the Geek Questioner Podcast, episode 0050. I'm Charlie Hoover from geekquestioner.com, and tonight, with my co-host, we'll be asking some fairly nerdy questions of our guest. Uh, after that, we'll be digging into your answers to my geek question of the day from the past week. This podcast will cover your answers for March 31st through April 6th, 2017. Tonight's geeky co-host is Annette Holland. Uh, thanks for joining us. Of course. I made a promise. Uh, how, how are things on the other side of Boston? Uh, not snowing, not rainy, and I'm looking forward to Monday for once. Because <laughs> the know. temperature will be over 70. Yep. Yeah, we're getting a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're getting a couple of days of, of good weather. Before it drops back down into the 40s and misery. It'll, it'll come back up eventually. Hey, you got to take the good when it's here and, and appreciate it when it's not. Yeah, if you say so. Anyhow, on that delightfully cheerful note, we're going to move on to uh, introducing our, uh, our guest for the week. Um, so let's begin with the questioning. Uh, are you ready? I am. Excellent. Who are you and where are you from? You know, I've written so many um, author blurbs in the last couple of weeks that um, I'm, or actually the last couple of months, I'm, I'm actually trying very hard not to sound like an author blurb. My name is Jennifer Linsky. Um, I am the author of the recently published Flowers of Luna, and uh, my friends call me Jenny. I was born in Japan and right away just whisked off across the Pacific Ocean. You know, I was born on a Thursday morning, and I took the aphorism that Thursday's child has far to go as life instruction, and so I mostly grew up in southern Arizona. Oh, wow. Is, is that where you are now, or...? Um, no, actually, at the moment, I'm living in the American South. Um, you know, the South. Did you hear the capital letters? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, I... Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. So uh, what do you do for a living? Well, it's easier to, to sort of tell you what I used to do. Um, I used to be a pediatric nurse, uh, which I loved. And uh, before that, I was a U.S. Navy hospital corpsman, um, which some days I loved, but more days I didn't, um, which, of course, is why I didn't stay a U.S. Navy hospital corpsman. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I now have an autoimmune disorder, so I'm medically retired. Um, I write, but like most authors, I don't make a living from that. Uh, I read. I take care of two gray kittens. I watch a lot of anime and I sleep a lot. Fair enough. Nice. Sounds like retirement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, like I said, I am medically retired. I fortunately, I, I have managed to get on disability. Um, so I'm no longer living on about $100 a month. Uh, and I'm really enjoying having an income again. Good. Well, congratulations. I, I know how difficult yeah. that road can be uh, firsthand. So. Okay, what are your top three geeky passions right now? Well, let's see. First of all, um, I think I'd have to talk about Grin Tech. Um, that's G-R-I-N, or Genetics, Robotics, Informatics, and Nanotech, Ooh. which are the technologies that 
Futurists such as Eric Drexler and Ray Kurzweil say are going to change our entire definition of what it means to be human sometime in this century. Um, Kurzweil argues sooner, other people argue later. Um, but, you know, I, I keep up with, um, with all of those. Genetics, for purely selfish reasons, I'm very much hoping that someone will come up with a cure for lupus. I kind of have this fear that, you know, I'll die, and then the next week they'll come out with a cure. Uh, um. Yeah, <laughs> Murphy's Law. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, robotics fascinates me as since I was a small child. You know, my mother's favorite author is Isaac Asimov, and of course what Asimov is famous for is his robotics stories. Mm -hmm. Informatics is, of course, what powers all of the rest of it. It, it. You know, it fits... Everything comes together because of information and information processing. Um, if we don't have that, then we don't have effective robots, we don't have quick solutions for uh, sequencing a genome, and etc. Um, right. And of course, nanotech hasn't really kicked off yet, but once it does, we're going to have amazing things. Agreed. Well, I'm, I'm, I know I'm personally, and I, I know most of our, uh, our audience is definitely uh, into all of those things. <laughs> well, at least a, lot, a huge chunk of us, anyway. I would uh -huh. say. Well, so. and you know, and then my um, my religion is actually space exploration. Ah. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely deeply um, enamored of space exploration. When I was uh, four years old, my parents took me to see the movie Two Thousand One in the cinema, um, and it uh, it decided me on what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and I am deeply, deeply disappointed that I am not living at Encladia Space. <laughs> oh man yeah i i can kind of i can commiserate with that one for sure <laughs> um yeah well all, all of this stuff i, I the mm -hmm. science technology and uh even kurzweil with his singularity um mm -hmm. it's all amazing stuff and the fact that the fact that it's it's more about when not so much as whether it will happen is yeah. kind of fascinating well you know i posted a link um, in the wee small hours this morning uh, to Elon Musk has started up a company um, to work on BNI, Brain Neural Interface. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, on the one hand, it's very exciting, you know, the things that, um, that we'll be able to do with Neural Lace. But on the other hand, it's also very frightening um, you know, at what point does the ability to manipulate your perceptions become the ability to reprogram your brain? Yeah, exactly. Well, isn't that what cognitive behavior therapy is all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We we do it we do it in meat space. It's just it's faster if it's electronic, I would think. I, I think those are those are fantastic passions, so uh yeah, I, yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. <laughs> um, but we will move on though to uh, what what um, 
What fictional villain or monster scared you as a kid? Oh, Blackbeard. Blackbeard the pirate. And I know he's um, an, an actual historical figure, but a lot of the stories that are told about him are highly fictionalized. Um, his general bloodthirstiness, uh, the killing of his wives, the braiding of gun fuse in his beard. You know, I, I just found these stories to be terrifying. And I countered that by learning as much as I could um, about the man who killed him, Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard. So even before I joined the Navy, my heroes were not pirates, but the sailors who hanged them. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a it's a good way to um, uh, deal with uh, uh, having a fear as a kid. This is learn as much as you can and then sort of uh, bash it to death with with information. Exactly, exactly. I love that. Okay, so on a happier note, what's one of your geekiest memories? Well, you know, I was preparing for the show, and I actually came up with two. So, it's your choice. (laughs) Would you like to hear about my first Star Trek convention, or would you rather hear about how old-school geeks watched anime movies? Five. Both. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If they're not super long, then both. Yeah. Like, there's really a constraint. Okay, so, um, when I was in high school... I heard that there was going to be an, uh, a Star Trek convention um, there in Tucson, and I heard that George Takai was going to be there. And George Takai was huge to me as a child. You know, there was this show, and it was about one of my core passions, space exploration, and they were boldly going where no one had gone before. And there was an Asian guy. <laughs> right there, pointing the ship. And so George Takai was, was huge to me. So I um, I read everything I could about Star Trek conventions, and I, um, I made myself a science officer, uh, you know, skort dress with, uh, with lieutenant commander stripes on the, on the arms. And I even went out and I found um, a new old stock bullet bra. Um, so that I would present the proper silhouette. And I went to this thing, and I'm expecting, you know, 2,000 people and rooms after rooms. And, you know, it turned out to be a dealer room that you could have fit inside my bedroom. Oh. Um, And, you know, like 50 people milling about uh, aimlessly. But uh, there was a trivia contest, and I won. And so I got to meet, um, George was, was the, um, was the host and he ran the trivia contest. So I got to, to stand there and banter with him about Star Trek trivia. And he was everything that you hoped he would be, you know, he was, he was gracious. He was witty. He had that wonderful baritone voice and he was just, he, he really was, he was everything that you would hope he would be. Oh, that's, that is, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I got, you know, I got five minutes alone with him and I got to tell him how much he had meant to me. Um, And that's, that is something that happens so rarely with our childhood heroes. 
um, that it was really important to me. Wow, that's that's fantastic. That that's, that yeah. yeah. Um, I've I've heard from other people that have uh, gotten a chance to to talk to him, and uh, yeah, they they just and you can tell uh, he's just he just is who he is, and uh-huh. it's yeah, he's such a rare <laughs> individual, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and he only seems to get cooler as the years go on. He does. Um, so okay, old school geeks and anime movies. So I started going to college after I got out of the Navy um, at Northern Arizona University. That's right. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. (laughs) Um, So um, this was in the years before Disney had the, um, the global distribution rights for Studio Ghibli films. And so mm-hmm. in those days, the way that we would, would watch them is that somebody who had, oh, I don't know, a cousin or an aunt or an uncle in Japan, not naming any names, would get second or third or even fourth or fifth generation VHS videotapes of the movies. And then, you know, the, somebody would go out on um, an FTP site because this was even before... The World Wide Web, it wasn't quite before the Internet, but it was before the World Wide Web really took off. Um, so you'd go to a, an FTP or file transfer protocol site, and you would download a fan translation of the script. And so we would get together on Saturday mornings, and Cindy Sue Who, who was much more than two, <laughs> would make waffles for everyone. And we'd pop the tape. Well, first we'd watch The Tick. We'd, we'd watch The Tick on our Saturday morning cartoons, um, and then we'd pop the tape in the, in the player, and while the soundtrack was going in Japanese, um, whoever had seen the movie the most would read uh, from the, the printed-out FTP site script. <laughs> and I saw oh. so many movies that way. And, you know, I, I still feel kind of nostalgic for sitting around um, in Trixie and Cindy's living room and eating waffles and, you know, laughing and joking with the rest of the geek pack. Uh, and then, you know, hearing the Japanese and, and Cindy or Trixie or myself reading uh, in English. It's it's something I'm I'm still kind of nostalgic for. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... That's pretty awesome. I, I, I do remember uh, back in the day, uh, I think the first uh, sci-fi convention I went to, uh, it was, you know, again, pre-web. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, they had all, they had the sort of the boot, the bootleg table uh-huh. and they had stuff like that where you can, you know, get anime. But again, they, they, I think it was probably for the same purpose. They, they didn't really have many that had English translations. So yeah, that I, I wasn't into it at the, at the time. I'm still really not, but um, but that must've been what was going on as people were buying the transcripts and that and doing that. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. That, that's, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, uh, two, two awesome geeky memories. I love it. Um, and, uh, it's hard to top, uh, the, the, the TK thing for sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, moving on, uh, and we may already know the answer to this one, but uh, what fictional character or characters do you relate to the most? You know, that's a that's a really difficult question to answer um, because there really isn't any one character that I've looked at and said, it me. 
Uh, is there any particular kind? Well, there is. And, you know, see, the problem is that women's characters in fiction tend to be very two-dimensional. Um, so Kyo Fujibayashi, who is the brash dictionary-throwing sister in Klanad, is somewhat similar to me, or to me as I was in high school, or at least as I like to remember that I was in high school. <laughs> Honor Harrington is mixed race, oh. as I am, um, and has yeah. a similar sense of duty and honor. Nana Osaki from uh, Nana shares my punk sensibility and love of music. Um, she has some of the same self-issue and anxiety issues. Uh, excuse me, self-image and anxiety issues. And, you know, the, but the thing is that all of these women are straight. And I'm not. So I actually had to write a geeky sci-fi book about girls getting their smooch on together. Um, <laughs> you know, and I hope that somewhere out there, some young woman will find herself in one of my characters. Wow. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if it's not there, build it, you know. That's, uh -huh. And mm -hmm. it's, it's terrible that there isn't more of it, but uh, hey, somebody has to start it, right? That's right. Who inspired or encouraged your geekiness when you were young? I was very fortunate in that both of my um, both of my parents were OGs, original geeks. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, my dad's favorite author uh, was Robert Heinlein. Um, and my mother's favorite author was Isaac Asimov. Um, and of course, I, I mentioned going to see the movie 2001 when I was just four years old. Um, so I was very fortunate to grow up in a household where um, my parents wanted to sit down and watch Star Trek with me. Um, my parents wanted to, you know, share the novels that they were reading with me. Um, and sometimes that led to me getting exposed to something maybe a little bit early. Stranger in a Strange Land comes right to mind. Uh, I really didn't understand a lot of it the first time I read it. Well, uh, when was that? I think I was nine or ten. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm still trying to picture uh, a kid trying to uh, process 2001 at four. Well, <laughs> you know, there was a, there's a, a moment where the, the moon bus is is gliding across that magnificent desolation. And apparently I gave voice to the thought that everybody else in the theater uh, had. And I said, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was a release of tension and everybody in the theater laughed. And, you know, so that's one of my, actually one of my earliest memories is of, of going and seeing that and knowing what I wanted to do and where I wanted to live. <laughs> uh, well, ha having having all the, that kind of um, uh, encouragement and mm -hmm. uh, I'm always glad to hear when people have that at, at, a, at an early age, because some folks kind of have to discover it on their own the hard way, like, uh -huh. you know, with, without it. But um, that's wonderful. So we're going to move to uh, what fictional character would you trade places with for a day? Just one day, huh? Um, well, Nurse Sakura from um, Andrea Brokaw's recently published uh, Of Snow and Whiskers. She's, um, she's a nurse practitioner. She takes care of kids. And she's a were-coyote. How cool is that? <laughs> Very cool. And I hear that she's going to have a larger role in, in the next book. What, what, what else can you tell, about that? tell us about that character? Well, she's based on me, 
which makes it kind of a cheat. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's an author cheat. That's a good one. <laughs> um, Andy is a, is a good friend of mine. She's on Google Plus as well. Um, and come to think of it, if you can convince her, uh, she would make an excellent guest, I'm sure. Oh, uh, more the merrier. But um, uh, so Nurse Sakura is a mixed race um, Japanese American nurse who is the the nurse practitioner at a boarding school for shapeshifters. Ooh. And of Snow and Whiskers is actually the second book uh, of the series, but you can read it as a standalone. Andy is a fabulous writer, and uh, the book is about where snow leopards, who are having sort of a star-crossed lover situation, and uh, the viewpoint character um, is Nurse Sakura's aide, and so they sit and watch anime together at one point. <laughs> I love that. Sneaky the its tail. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Okay. What fictional location would you retire to if you could? Pretty much any setting from a Miyazaki film, um, but especially the village from Kiki's Delivery Service, the little town <laughs> from Kiki's Delivery yeah. Service. Um, <laughs> either that or the little villages where um, Flying Witch... Or non non biori are set, and in fact, if I could kind of blend them blend them together, you know the 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 Kiki's little town and the village from non non biori and the village from Flying Witch, that would be like perfect. <laughs> sort of a Miyazaki verse. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, he does create these you know amazing worlds. Yes, he does. Um, and amazing characters. He's one of the, he's one of the, the creators who actually creates strong central um, female characters. You know, he yeah. um, his Aki character may need assistance sometimes, but she never needs a savior. Yes, exactly. Especially in Spirited Away, that's one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that one. Um, I, I saw that one very late, but, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I love it. Um, well, uh, congratulations. You've survived the questioning. And I didn't even vomit. See? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we usually try to edit that out of the podcast because it discourages future guests. <laughs> uh, so, uh, wh where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, um, I'm on Amazon. Um, if you look, look under Flowers of Luna or Jennifer Linsky, you'll find me on Amazon. I'm also on Goodreads. Um, I tweet as at Valkyrie Jenny, but many people are not going to know how to spell that. <laughs> That's okay. I'll put links. Okay. That's not how I pronounce it, but okay. <laughs> uh, oh yes. Google plus I'm, I'm all over the, the gooks. Excellent. Well, so are we. Well, what's left of it? <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, hey, uh, I'm so glad that uh, Annette um, uh, was, was sort of the uh, catalyst for all of this. I can, in fact, deny Annette nothing. 
<laughs> she hit me when I was weak. I was confessing that I have a crush on her. And she said, well. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I sort of felt bad. I'm like, okay, shouldn't manipulate. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, Please? it all seems to have worked out well. Uh, uh, well, you know, it is kind of hard not to. Thank you. No, thank you. Anyway, um, uh, next week's guest is Noelle M., uh, also known as Adorkable. I, I kind of can't wait to geek out with her. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play or pretty much anywhere you might find a podcast. Uh, this episode, the questions, the geekscapes, and all of the archives are accessible through geekquestioner.com. Please subscribe and tell other geeky friends about us. As a matter of fact, I've uh, made a uh, new page at uh, geekquestioner.com forward slash subscribe with all of the links to RSS feeds and iTunes and everything else. Uh, so go ahead and take a look there. In a world where magic, technology, and nature have merged, the few who can control runes hold dominance over all of creation. All believe that Alexei, a 16-year-old orphan, was blessed to be born with a rune embedded in his palm. But that's only because they don't know the truth. Alexei's rune is so powerful, it's killing him. Asura, a brutal emperor who uses runes to conquer entire continents, will stop at nothing to kill Alexei and claim the boy's power for his own. With Alexei's rune burning its way through his body and assassins hunting his every step, his survival depends on discerning ally from enemy and learning to tame the competing forces of light and dark within. I was thrilled to hear that Runa the Apprentice was selected for Geek Questioner's book club. Please join in on the adventure as Geek Questioner hosts a live Google Hangout discussion and Q&A session with not only the Geek Questioner community, but also me, Jameson Stone, the author of Runa the Apprentice. Head on over to the Goodreads Geek Questioner Reading Room group to learn more. I'll see you there. Welcome to the Geek Question Week in Review. This is when we sift through the answers that you've given on my questions in the past week and give shout-outs to particularly geeky, insightful, or entertaining answers. Uh, to follow along with this part of the show, click the links in the show notes or visit geekquestioner.com. We love having new voices in our community, so if you discover you can't comment on the questions, uh, if you'd like to be a guest, or if you have any kind of feedback or question ideas, uh, just email me at feedback at geekquestioner.com. With all that out of the way, uh, let's dive into the questions from the week. We're going to start off on uh, Friday, March 31st, where there really wasn't a question um, so much as a reminder to everybody uh, about, uh, or a notice, I should say, uh, that this week's uh, book club... Uh, no, this month's book club uh, is reading Rune of the Apprentice by Jameson Stone, uh, a former podcast uh, uh, guest. Uh, so the reading is going through the rest of the month. We've actually got a hangout scheduled, I believe, to um, or not a hangout, a, a blue jeans, a, a, a chat session uh, to uh, go over the book uh, with anybody who wants to join. I think, Annette, you set that up on the uh, Goodreads. Yes. Excellent. Um, thank you so much for doing that. You can use Hangout. Everybody knows that's a video chat. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, anyway, uh, just head over to geekquestioner.com forward slash Goodreads. That'll take you over to the Goodreads group and, uh, you know, join in with, uh, with the fun. From there, though, we're going to move to Saturday, April 1st, the dreaded April Fool's Day. 
uh, or, you know, really don't trust the Internet day, uh, <laughs> where I just asked, what practical joke would you love to pull on a fictional character and why? We had uh, 25 responses with misplaced having a plus eight for while they're sleeping, switch wily coyotes and Batman's caves, which I thought was particularly <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Dan Eastwood had a plus eight for hide Clark Kent's glasses in a lead-lined box, hide a hologram projector in Luke in Luke Skywalker's bathroom. When Luke enters and picks up his toothbrush, Obi Wan appears and tells him to use the floss. And Paul Duggan has a plus seven for dress as Bruce Wayne's parents and knock on the door of Wayne Manor, which is a particularly evil and twisted thing. But um, anyway, what do you think of some of these, and what would you do? Um, I actually, I hate pranks. I really do. I, I suffer from such bad social anxiety that just talking to people on the phone makes me need to go and vomit. Um, so the idea of deliberately causing someone cognitive dysfunction is anathema to me. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, um, uh, what, what about you, Annette, uh, um, I feel pretty much the same way about pranks, but more along the golden rule. I hate having them played on me, so I would never think to play one on anybody unless, of course, it was one of my brothers. Usually it's payback. Um, <laughs> but of the list, Andrew Kaufman's swap the doctor's TARDIS for Bill and Ted's phone booth. That to me was <laughs> the funniest funniest and that's the other thing most pranks aren't funny anymore they're cruel so mm -hmm. uh yeah well it was meant to be more uh more light than that but yeah might also be why you didn't have so many responses other than people staying off the internet on april Fool's. yeah well i i had a feeling april 1st would be a uh, a day to be very um that most people sort of especially since it was the weekend just get that just get the hell out of dodge because uh, you know, you can't trust anything. What's the meme? Um, April 1st, the one day that people look at things on the internet and think critically about them before accepting it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's probably the only good thing about it. But anyway, uh, so we're going to move on to Sunday, April 2nd, where I asked, uh, what was the first job you had and what did you learn from it? We had 53 responses with uh, Noelle M., next week's guest, uh, having a plus 15 for... My first job was a carny, not even joking. My mother bought one of the first computer portrait systems. Uh, so as a child, I would travel all summer long with my family to various carnivals and fairs to instantly put portraits on t-shirts, posters, and pillowcases. Who doesn't want to sleep with their own face? Uh, I learned at a very young age how to handle money, give good customer service, and be a master of my bladder. And uh, Lorado Magic Fairy had a plus 12 for fuel station attendant. Uh, back when they filled your car, washed your windows, and checked the oil and tire pressure if you wanted. I was only about 10, family-owned a gas station, uh, but I learned a lot about basic car maintenance and how to be a, uh, very accurate with a petrol pump. It then became my dream to become a mechanic, which I dropped out of school to do. After six, month of, six months of an apprenticeship, I learned that I hate working on cars. <laughs> and uh, Jake Kern had a plus 10 for paper route. It's not enough uh, to work hard. Uh, you also got to collect the money. Um, and for, for my own answer here, and I actually kind of elaborated, uh, my first job was uh, uh, actually cleaning toilets and floors at a, uh, a nursing home that my mother and grandmother were nurses at. 
Um, and uh, that's kind of where I learned to zen out when it comes to doing any kind of chore related thing. And uh, probably the reason why I like it so much now. Um, and also that I love collecting stories from random strangers and old people, <laughs> especially. So anyway, uh, what about you guys? Okay, so I did answer this. My first paid job was actually working in a microbiology lab. And it uh, turns out my daughter now has the t-shirt that I got at that job. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, so uh. I, I was a lab tech in uh, as a junior in high school. One of the other ladies, we worked with a lot of radioisotopes, so she was pregnant. And then later that year, I got pregnant with my son and hadn't told anybody until there was a <laughs> uranium-42 spill. And it was my job to clean up the spills because nobody else could. And then I'm like, I can't. <laughs> and this is why. And then the joke was that I had mastered, you know, uh, reproductive biology while working at a microbiology lab. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Also, I hate staining cells, but I got to play on IRC while I waited <laughs> for the slides to develop. So I can blame them for introducing me to IRC. <laughs> Some dates were really exciting. I mean, I worked with awesome, brilliant people, but yeah, staining cell and... Just waiting and then counting them. Yeah, patience. Uh, what about you, Jenny? Well, my first job was actually pestering people in malls. Um, I was a public opinion poll taker. Oh, um, one of those. Yeah, and it was a, it was actually a very good job. In those days, I, um, I was much more outgoing, um, and um, it paid. You know, something like double minimum wage, which when you're 16 is a good job. Yeah. Um, yes. And so I actually paid for my um, plane ticket to go to Germany to be an exchange student by pestering people in the mall. Oh, well, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really love reading through this thread because... Uh, you know, just seeing where some people started, even having interviewed them before or uh, just knowing them, you know, over the years uh, through the threads. It's it's fun to see where people started because it's it's almost ne it's it's almost never any kind of glorious position. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, uh, throwing papers off of uh, onto people's porches or, mm -hmm. oh, Jody Kaplan copying eight inch floppy disks. Mm. I learned that I will never forget the sound those machines made. Clunk, clunk, <laughs> clunk, clunk. Ain't that the truth? Oh, Cass Morrison, uh, cafeteria worker. I learned given time, even cheesecake becomes unappetizing. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy. Uh, Julia Thompson, uh, I picked beans for a local farmer for two weeks. I learned that agricultural laborers uh, are deserving of my respect. Yes. Yeah, that is literally backbreaking work. Yes. Yeah. Let's see, D.B. Fuller, uh, tutoring younger children. I learned that sometimes people don't care to learn and sometimes they really cannot. Or so I was told. I still cannot see the difference. Well, there is. But I, I also kind of feel that many teachers or tutors fail to teach something in a way that the student can understand. And so my feeling is that if the student isn't learning something, you need to find a new way to teach it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, as as somebody that has spent many years um, 
regularly teaching um, self-confessed uh, 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 technophobes how to do tech things, uh, at least on, on that side of things. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, you have to change the approach for every single person. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the, uh, this is, this is a hell of a thread. I, I highly recommend reading through it. Uh, I, I think we've all had jobs at least somewhat similar to, uh, the ones that are listed here. And, um, yeah, it's, it definitely brings back, or it, it causes some flashbacks, at least for me. All right. So we're actually going to move on now to, uh, Monday, April 3rd, which was of course the word swap question of the week. We're asked if you added or replaced the word rain into the title of a story, what would the resulting title and plot become? We had 79 responses with misplaced having a plus eight for uh, the long dark rain, uh, cloud of the soul, a spinoff of the Dirk Gently series focused on Rob McKenna, uh, the oblivious rain god, uh, hit, hit Hitchhiker's Guide to Rain, uh, how to guide on what to look for in a packable jacket, backpack boots, and all the wet weather gear to keep you dry until some jerks zooms by spraying mud in your face. Uh, Julia Piat had a plus seven for Forbidden Rain. Homer Simpson finds an alternative reality where it rains donuts, but the penalty for eating them is death. <gasps> and yeah, and uh, Ryan Toxopius had a plus six for Lord of the Rings, Return of the Rain. Uh, the battle for Minas Tirith is delayed due to torrential rains. The field of battle is a muddy quagmire, undoing the effectiveness of Rohan's cavalry. Uh, the ships with the ghosts never make it at all. Bilbo still destroys the ring because Sauron can't see him through the downpour, but Minas Tirith is gone when he gets back. Uh, just a little shout out to the list makers, as always. Uh, Paul Duggan, which holy moly, man. <laughs> uh, Helen Reed, uh, Andrew Kaufman, Jalen Phoenix... Uh, Lee Roche and Ron Chait. Anyway, uh, what do you think of some of these? And um, yeah, um, I don't associate rain with spring. Rain is winter. It's growing up in Southern California, and I'm just over it. And it was just announced today that the drought is over. They got enough rain that it's over. Excellent. <laughs> See, isn't that awesome? Of course, that just means that it's the beginning of the next one. I know. I grew up with two different seven-year droughts, so... I am kind of um, interested in that uh, Dirk Gently spinoff with the, the Oblivious Rain God. Yeah. <laughs> that character, that character in... Um, I forget which of the Hitchhiker's books it was in, but uh, that character was just fascinating to me. That, you know, it's always bloody raining. Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul? Is that the one? No, it was in one of the Hitchhiker's books. It was um, Arthur comes back to Earth and um, he hitches a ride with a with a lorry driver. And the lorry driver is complaining about how it's always raining. And it turns out that the rain just kind of follows him around Europe as he <laughs> drives his truck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read them since high school. <laughs> time for a reread. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was a great little vignette that they put in <laughs> what happened to the dolphins no it's been done what happened to what happened to the dolphins it just doesn't have any readership <laughs> <laughs> oh rain man begins the rain man prequel that's from paul duggan in the like hundred answers he gave here <laughs> oh nicholas de winter charlie and the chocolate rain now that could be interesting. With uh, Tazon Day. 
<laughs> and I think I'm one of the very few people who's actually read the sequel. No. Um, the no. Great Oh, no, I did, too. Yeah, I did, I did too. too. Yeah, yeah, we're all, everybody's inside the, the elevator. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't really run into too many people. Well, I guess it doesn't come up in conversation very often, but yeah, I loved that story as a kid. The verminous knits. Yep. <laughs> we went through a whole rolled doll because I'm big on making my kids read the books before they see the movies, or if there's a movie tie-in, yes, you have to read the book. So, um, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, the BFG. <laughs> so we went through almost <laughs> all of Roald Dahl's books. As Roald Dahl was a um, was a, a British aviator. He fought in the Battle of Malta, and um, his stories, short stories for grown-ups includes a scene that was later adapted by um, Miyazaki in La Porca Rosa. You That's... know where the, the red pig comes flying up and he sees all of the, the aviators from his tree flying high above him and he reluctantly turns away? That's a Roald Dahl scene. Wow. That's trivia, oh, I'm wow. sure. Maybe only <laughs> one other person in the community might know. <laughs> Yes, yes, and she yes, doesn't yes. read fiction, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that that wow, I, I love obscure stuff like that. Um, anyway, uh, it is a, it's a it's a pretty entertaining thread as always. Um, thank you guys for being so creative. Uh, but we are going to move on. Uh, we're going to go to Tuesday, April fourth, where I asked what video game character or characters uh, would make the best president. And what might, what might their slogan be? Uh, we had 44 responses with Tasha Schmidt having a plus 15 with Link. His slogan would be, my name is not Zelda. Uh, William Reynolds had a plus 13 for Qbert would be better than Trump. His slogan would be, uh, people would love him because he spoke his mind. And uh, Mario would be uh, pro-women and pro-union. His slogan would be, it's a me, a Mario. And uh, Matt Tumala had a plus 11 for, at this point, I'd be happy with a companion cube just sitting there collecting dust. <laughs> mm. Can't say I disagree. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you guys think of some of these and uh, who, who would you nominate? At this point, I think just about any video game character would be better than the current resident. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're, you're far off with uh, with our community for sure. <laughs> I am so behind Fluttershy for president. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that uh, Jen Kirkland. Yeah, so that's that's my choice. Though I also suggested Bill and Ted because I didn't fully read the question that it was video games, <laughs> and I'm not a gamer. But at this point, we just need to be excellent to each other. So Bill and Ted, absolutely. Fair enough. I, I'm sure there's bound. I, I don't recall it, but I'm sure there was a Bill and Ted video game. Let's see. Uh, oh, Matt Tumala is kind of like this one. Gordon Freeman or Shell. The slogan is just a bunch of dots because neither one of them talk through either of their video games. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Christopher Claptrap. This time it'll be awesome. I promise. Oh, there's even a walkthrough for it. Yes, there was a Bill and Ted video game. Yeah, I was going to say there had to have been. And it's on Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, Julie Piat, the marble from Atari's Marble Madness, just rolling along. Oh, I love this one from Misplaced. Paperboy, he actually delivers. 
Uh, Dan Thompson, the asteroid ship. I will protect the Earth from extinction-level impacts. Oh, misplaced Mario. Not only is he tough on Goombas, but as a plumber, he has a good understanding of infrastructure. Plus, he's good at dealing with shitty situations properly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, great thread, guys. I absolutely adore some of these answers. The, 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 the campaign slogans alone are, are, uh, make it totally worth it. Mm-hmm. But we are, again, going to move on. Uh, this time to Wednesday, April 5th. We're asked, uh, what would be your product review of the Infinity Stone you acquired in an auction a week ago? We had 28 responses with uh, Paul Duggan having a plus eight for uh, received Mick Jagger. If there's one stone that'll exist forever, it's him. Five stars. <laughs> Tony Arsenault had a plus six for five out of five infinity gauntlets. <laughs> Replaced the battery in my Tesla. Haven't had to charge it since. Also, I accidentally ran over Loki the trickster god. Didn't even leave a ding on my car. And uh, Bob Lay had a plus six for this thing sucks. I barely touched it. And suddenly Captain America is an agent of Hydra and Tony Stark is dead. Sort of. Hardly the infinite power I was promised. Zero stars. <laughs> and then immediately Jay Kern says to Bob Lay, so it was you. <laughs> and for anybody not paying attention to the Marvel Universe, they kind of have this turning it on its ear thing that they're doing right now. And they blame the, the drop in sales on um, diversity. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the writers. We're just going to drop everything in the Marvel Universe and come up with... Horrible storylines, but you know what's really wrong? People don't want colored people and women in their comic books. Yeah. I'm sorry, that might have been a little bitter. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. I mean um I mean I I, I I I don't read comics so much, but uh I know there's a lot of controversy like about the whole thing, so um uh I do like the um was it Ironheart? Yes, Riri. Yeah, she seems pretty awesome, but uh, I, I don't know too much about the actual controversy. I don't really. Uh, I've I've got enough negative news. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but I, I mean, I, 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 do, do you think they're they're at least trying, or is this just a? It's it's a very recent announcement, and the thing is, like Miles Morales has been around for quite a few years now and he didn't replace spider-man he peter parker actually mentors him and it's in one of the alternate universes um riri is being mentored by tony stark she's not replacing him and she has her own name she's iron heart not iron man not iron woman um not iron maiden (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know that was in the first draft Uh (laughs) and she's just as brilliant is tony maybe more because she's not threatened with death and you know it's not life or death situation that causes her to create her super suit um i i love by the way the uh the mi it, it was cheesy but i i did like the um mit video yeah for the recruitment like yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was a little cheesy, especially trying to get like a professor to act. But I, I kind of liked like the, the 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 woman that got to play it was pretty cool. And yeah, yeah, got my hopes up. <laughs> no, but I I think it was the Nerdist article pointed out. You know, you have these old guard white guys trying to write stories about diverse people. It doesn't work. 
I can't imagine that that's because uh, yeah. the progression of the stories and it, it's more people taking over like with Captain America being an agent of Hydra so now Falcon is the new Captain America and people are up in arms that oh my god a black man is now the face of America <laughs> I was like but he was the Falcon you guys he's been around forever <laughs> at one point there was a rumor going around that for the Captain America movie um, it was going to be Will Smith who played the captain and I was all over that yeah Will Smith does sci-fi. That's one of the reasons why I love him. He's a black man doing sci-fi and has done it for over twenty years. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't, I don't know too much. Like, um, I wasn't sure which way it was going. <laughs> so, oh man. But anyway, uh, yeah, looks like you guys did. Uh, you had iffy times with your uh, with your in- Infinity Stones here. Yeah, William Reynolds said, uh, uh, didn't get to try it. Shortly after I got it, some dude calling himself Thanos the Mad Titan showed up and claimed it was his. He snatched it away from me and left. Kept rambling about immortality and death. <laughs> Andrew, I normally skulk outside Darkseid's castle for cast-off loot, which can be quite powerful for someone like me. When I found this golden gauntlet filled with stones, my heart leapt, but alas, it was useless and not even made from precious metals or stones. I gave it to Flash when he zipped past. <laughs> Oh my God! You mixed universes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know it's happened before, but yeah. And Julia, she has spam. Yes, she has marvelous spam. Uh, no let's pun see. intended. Let me find one of them here. Yeah, yeah, she's got uh, one for the for the one ring, and then uh, <laughs> found used Walkman and tapes. <laughs> oh, I gotta love it. Uh, Brianna Bennett has a nice long answer, which was pretty funny. Oh, Tony Payson, I think he was one of the last ones to chip in, but uh, uh, product shipped as described. They also included a pair of vibranium tongs for handling, which is always nice. Uh, would not recommend holding in your hand. If you do, there's a 50 50 shot of you either being the most powerful being in the galaxy or your body exploding, and the walls will be painted with your guts. So, you know, and he does a hashtag YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> uh three more stones to go and i complete my set squee five out of five stars would recommend to others uh, what i what i love about this in particular is is all these sort of um deep well references in some cases mm-hmm. uh, i love how, how how you guys go in you know i mean malika just starts off the thread with unlimited power <laughs> i wanted to say itty bitty <laughs> living space i know right <laughs> well, if, if we ever get thre- threaded uh, responses, maybe it will. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, Paul Duggan. Uh, disappointed. I thought this was J.K. Rowling's new book, Harry Potter and the Infinity Stone. <laughs> Instead, it's just an artifact of unlimited power. One star. <laughs> oh, and I, I thank you, Kanadi, for dropping in a B5 reference. You are finite. Zathras is finite. Stone is maybe infinite. Time is really infinite. This is wrong tool. B5, you just had to slip it in. I had to. It's a thing. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Um, anyway, we're going to move on to uh, Thursday, April 6th, uh, where I asked, uh, because uh, we had uh, World Health Day this 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 week, I said, uh, who are your favorite fictional healers, and what about them interests you? 
We had 51 responses with Robert Chambers having a plus 14 for please state the nature of the medical emergency mm-hmm. and Jody Kaplan having a plus 14 for uh, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. And Nathan V having a plus 10 for uh, Shepherd Book heals what Dr. Tam can't. They're both quite skilled at what they do. And uh, yeah, it was a lovely collection of healers from all around the universe here. Um, uh, some, some of them get as much love, but uh, damn, I, I, I love this list. What do you guys think? And uh, what, did you, what would you answer? So um, I answered the unpopular Pulgara. Um, I love the quote, but the doctor from Voyager wouldn't necessarily be a favorite. And of Bones, are we talking Carl Urban, DeForest Kelly? You know, which which version? I go for the um the the newest one. <laughs> well, you know, Carl Urban has done a remarkable job yes. <laughs> of picking up that character. He all of the, the new guys. He out McCoy's. McCoy. Yeah, he out McCoy's yeah. McCoy. It's um, unbelievable. I love it. Um, you know what? Oddly enough, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, here I am, a nurse, and I don't have an answer for that question. Actually, um, um Noel's. Now that I am over my yeah, I thought I thought you were gonna grab on that one. <laughs> I only have one more book left in the series, and I have not read it yet this year. <laughs> it's all good. Um. Anyway, uh, you were going to read uh, Claire Fraser. I love how she takes modern medicine and dumbs it down to make it practical in the 1700s. Modern being the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's certainly better than the 1700s. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh. Some like it, Scott. Yeah. Oh, 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 Dr. Jin. Um, I am a sucker for period costume dramas. And the last couple of years in particular, I've been watching a lot of um, Korean dramas. Um, and Dr. Jin is a modern neurosurgeon from Seoul who gets thrown back to the 1500s uh, and the Joseon Kingdom. You know, he has to um, remember how to purify penicillin. Um, and he has to remember... You know, how to do all of these things in a very primitive environment. And it's a good love story, too. Yeah, uh, it sounds yeah. like a it sounds like their version of the um, what's the other one called? Outlander. Outlander. Sorry. I I kept wanting to say Highlander. And that's oh, totally different. That's, there can only be one. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I'm i like, no, Sean Connery is not in that. Although he could be, I suppose. But And hey, it's a K-drama. <laughs> Oh, uh, Julia Piat, uh, uh, Pau Zota Zan, uh, aloe vera with intellect. <laughs> uh, actually, Lawrence uh, Holtz also said her. Uh, yeah, you got to love Zan. Yes. Uh, Julia Piat also dropped in Dr. Feelgood and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Jalen Phoenix, Asana of Calderon. Yeah, she had a, she had her work cut out for her. Nobody said Dr. Who? He's not that kind of doctor. Notice how I said healer, because I knew that if I used the word doctor. Everybody, everybody but would he heals doctor. worlds and cultures. Yeah. And yeah. timelines. And timelines. Yeah, he's a doctor, but I wouldn't call him a healer per se. He has healed in the past, and he heals himself. But 
you know, I wouldn't say that's his primary mode of occupation. And relationships. He uh, had to get Amy and Rory back together. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, yeah. This is more patching people together. I'm thinking. Anyway, um, that about wraps up this week's questions. So um, thanks so much for being on, Jen. Thank you for having me, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it was, it was so marvelous to meet you. And uh, thank you again for, uh, for uh, well, Annette, for, you know, A, co-hosting and B, uh, bring, bringing Jenny on. Yep. I know cool people. <laughs> you you know so many cool people. And you've gotten so many of them to come on the podcast. So I'm eternally grateful. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and where where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, start up my website and go from there. <laughs> yeah, uh, annetteholland.com. Yes. Anyway, uh, you can find me over on G+, until the place finally burns to the ground. I'm also on Twitter at Charlie Hoover, at GeekQuestor, and at Geekscapes, depending on what you want to follow. And uh, remember that if you want to join in, just visit geekquestor.com. If you discover you can't comment on the questions, if you'd like to be a guest, if you have any kind of feedback or question ideas, just email me at feedback at geekquestor.com and I'll hook you up. Uh, finally, on behalf of uh, Jenny, Annette, and myself, I just want to say thank you for listening, and as always, stay geeky. Stay geeky.